Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're discussing a profession with an expectation embedded in the job title, Superintendent, a position held by few, yet one of great impact and importance. We're here with the ideal guest for this subject. His name is Andres Alonzo. He's the professor of practice at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, former CEO of Baltimore City Public Schools, and is co-chairing the upcoming Leadership Institute for Superintendents, Systemic Reform in School Districts and Schools, which is on March 1st through the 4th, still slots available. Welcome to the EdCast, Professor Alonzo. Thank you. Some people might describe me as a recovering superintendent. Recovering <laughs> superintendent. Fair enough. Well, we'll let people decide that at the end of this conversation. So, Professor Alonzo... Walk us and our audience through this process. A district is hiring for a new superintendent. What are the key qualities a search committee should be looking for before they hire someone? And describe the types of characteristics you want to see in a superintendent. Well, a, a lot of the characteristics should be driven by the the challenges and the opportunities in the district that is looking for a new superintendent. This This question of the match matters tremendously. Superintendents come with their DNA, with their histories, and uh, there's, there's nothing more problematic than uh, a board looking for a type of superintendent or a superintendent looking for a type of districts and those expectations don't match. So the strengths, the weaknesses of the, of the person should be a match for the challenges and opportunities of, of the job, the expectations of the job. Uh, regardless of the type of district, there are a set of uh, qualities or skills or competencies, however you might want to refer to them, that I think are, are consistent across because of the nature of the job and the nature of uh, public education in America. Uh, the superintendency is an extraordinarily political and politicized job because of where schools sit in the fabric of American democracy. There are extraordinary expectations right now around performance for all students, uh, and I think that that is new. Uh, and there are all kinds of challenges around sustainability, around change, around the capacity of people and institutions to move fast uh, in order to meet the needs of all students. So uh, superintendents should, should be uh, able to lead change and innovation uh, they should be able, of course, to uh, lead instruction. Uh, they should be leaders for learning. They should be able to navigate politics. Otherwise, they will not be successful. Uh, they have to develop people because all the work is done through people. Uh, they have to manage resources uh, efficiently. Uh, they have to manage themselves. That's a very important uh, characteristic that is not often uh, talked about since they need to be both managers and, and people who inspired uh, others. Uh, uh, so there's an extraordinary array of, of skills and competencies that are at play uh, in the job. Uh, ultimately, uh, in, in especially in urban districts that are uh, under enormous st stresses around all elements of civic government, uh, they have to be able to uh, be comfortable with ambiguity. Uh, they have to push extraordinarily hard, but at the same time maintain 
these organizations in some kind of equilibrium, and ultimately they need to be huge advocates for students uh, because there will always be uh, a subset of students and in some places a majority of students uh, who lack the kind of advocacy uh, that they deserve. I think the skills and competencies may play into the answering of the next question. So now once the superintendent's hired, um, the challenges, the top three challenges that a superintendent may face in their, their first month, their first year on the job. I, one of the, the, the it's, it's extraordinarily important that the superintendent uh, understand the context uh, in which he or she leads. Uh, I remember in Baltimore where I was uh, CEO, uh, in my first month, uh, people kept asking me about uh, the plan or the blueprint, and I kept pushing back on uh, uh, how likely it was going to be that we were all going to fail together if I came in without understanding the city and the school system and its needs with with a ready-made sense of what needed to happen. I, I think that uh, uh, why superintendents uh, listen, pay a lot of attention, and uh, develop uh, uh, pathways based upon what their constituencies are telling them about uh, a place and its needs. So at the beginning, uh, an enormous amount of scanning about uh, what might be necessary, a gaining a real understanding of people and of communities. Uh, and uh, uh, the beginning of the establishment of authority and trust. Uh, I think it's incredibly hard to be effective in, uh, in these jobs if, uh, if uh, the communities uh, that you lead uh, uh, do not see you as, per, as a person who deserves the authority that you have. Uh, you know, everybody's an expert on schools because of uh, uh, the fact that uh, people's children are in schools, uh, and if they don't, if they don't trust your capacity and your good good faith in the effort, I think oftentimes we read about superintendents who have sort of two different types of skill sets. There's the visionary who maybe doesn't like to do the day-to-day -day stuff, and there's the sort of operations person, but maybe doesn't have that five or ten-year vision. Um, I'm curious, is it difficult to find superintendents who are both the visionary and the implementer, or do you usually have to just pick one? Well, you know, it's, it's like in every profession, uh, whether it's, you know, directing movies or, or being a principal in a school, uh, it's, it's hard to get uh, people who are good at everything. Uh, that's why one of the qualities that superintendents need is the quality to develop teams and to be able to assess the strengths and the weaknesses of, of people in the organization and then to complement their, uh, their own areas of need with the strengths of others. Uh, you know, often I think that there's too much of a, uh, an emphasis on the qualities of the individual leaders uh, you know, whether they be called visionaries or great managers. Uh, I think that the ability uh, to develop teams that are equal to the task are, are a true measure of the quality of a superintendent. And uh, whether that essence is one of inspiring people, you're still going to need uh, people around you who implement and deliver on the goods. 
And uh, if you are only about implementation and delivery of the goods, you're going to be lacking in terms of getting people to, to change uh, behaviors that haven't worked before. So back to your six years in the Baltimore school system, you know, I think it's really interesting to look back at that to- whole tenure and think from your perspective, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned? And from that lesson, what would you share with other people who are looking to get in this line of work? Well, the, the greatest lesson for me was that I that at some level uh, I always had to be uh, the person in motion when everybody else was still and the person who was still in when everybody else was in motion. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> the, uh, uh, there, there is always this extraordinary magnetic pull towards the mo- towards the moment towards uh, reaction uh, so I you know something that I learned over time is that my greatest value to my team and my community was to constantly uh, assert a set of fundamental principles that often require stillness but other times require, enormous turbulence because uh, uh, behaviors were not changing in relationship to those principles. Uh, and uh, that's, that's hard to learn, that's hard to do, that's hard to maintain. Uh, and I think it, it comes with, with experience and, and often with intuition and often with, with a kind of earned space that uh, that comes when when people have learned to you know trust where you're coming from, uh, in in the in when you're confronting really difficult dilemmas. Uh, speaking of difficult dilemmas, uh, hardest single day on the job. Oh my God! I, you know the hardest thing. Okay, well this one is easy actually. Uh, uh, you know, if you push me to define it, the hardest single day on the job was a day that I had to go into a school community after a child uh, was killed in school grounds. And uh, uh, I walked in with the mayor, and uh, all the parents were there, and uh, community uh, representatives were there, and... uh, and nothing prepares you for a moment like that because you you know you for whatever the reasons for what happened uh there's a there's a fundamental breach with uh, a covenant you make with every single parent which is that uh you know your children are safest in your schools and uh in cities like Baltimore that have struggled with issues of uh, of crime over time, uh, you know. Thankfully, that's changing. Uh, you know, one thing that I continually asserted as a as a given was that the kids needed to be in school because school was the safest place for them to be, not only the most useful place for them to be. So to have to walk into a school under those circumstances was really really hard for me. Um, I'm a huge fan of the show The Wire, and I'm curious, that takes place in Baltimore, and there's a huge season devoted to education, and I'm curious, your time leading the Baltimore school system, 
may have overlapped with The Wire or been before or after and, and what role you saw yourself playing in the sort of fictionalized yet very gritty real world of The Wire and all the sort of different correlations between what happens in that show and education and what you experienced in real life. Can I say this to you, Matt, that I, 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 my understanding is that The Wire is one of the three or four greatest uh, shows ever on television. You're not going to tell I, me you never saw I, it. I never watched it. The, the reason We're going to stop the podcast now. <laughs> I'm going to pull it up on my computer. Uh, I'll explain to you why. Because I, I was offered uh, the job in Baltimore uh, during season uh, five, which was the year after uh, the season on education had run. And, uh, of course, the first thing that people told me is, you know, if you want to learn about Baltimore, you have to watch season four. It's all about the schools. And I felt that to enter the context of Baltimore with a frame that was somehow about uh, that gritty underbelly of American cities was a disservice to the people that I was going to lead since it was going to, by necessity, be about deficit and, and lack. And I, I wanted to discover Baltimore uh, in a way that was authentic. Uh, and I had, I had been a teacher in Newark, New Jersey for over a decade. I had taught emotionally disturbed adolescents. So I, I also felt that I really didn't need to learn about schools from a fictionalized no, you, perspective. No, you, had the, you yeah. had the talk about reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had always been struck by the rhetoric around what was happening in Newark in schools, which tended to be and still is really negative, and how that matched my reality while I was a teacher, which is that I was surrounded by people who were extraordinarily dedicated and struggling with with a really hard context. So I, I didn't want to be unfair to Baltimore. And of course, once I got to Baltimore, I never had the time right. to now go back and uh, and start uh, to watch, I guess it's 100 episodes. Yeah, it's, or a, how, it's, a big, <laughs> it's a big time commitment. Yeah, yeah. So it's so funny because I understand that last weekend or the weekend before that we're doing a marathon and I once again I said, okay, so this is the moment, but I realized, you know, I, I'm preparing for the semester in uh, the spring semester at Harvard. I still don't have the time to do 100 shows of the watch. Maybe when you were Professor Emeritus at the Ed School, your retirement gift will be uh. DVDs <laughs> or whatever exists in you know the future. So I think our listeners would really appreciate you turning within. You, know, you talked about what superintendents writ large in general think about um, what you think about that profession, but y your own now leadership style coming from um, Newark to Baltimore, the, having had all these experiences, looking at yourself, what type of superintendent, what type of CEO, what type of education leader were you? Oh my God, that I, you know, I always find that a hard question. I think it's, it's better to ask that question so of the people who I whom I led. Okay, so what have people said about you? Uh, you know, I think that some people probably said that I was I was very tough and impatient and uh, and. You know, I was a quote-unquote change agent. That was the perception. Uh, but many other people probably experienced me as somebody who loved schools and uh, loved uh, 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 
people working with kids and love people struggling with succeeding or failing, I always led with this uh, uh, saying, which I had picked up from the very first school that I worked in, Samuel L. Berliner School in Newark, New Jersey, which, you know, they, they had a sign in the central office that said, the kids come as is, they're not made to order. And uh, that was that was what I led with. And, uh, you know, that, that meant that at a certain level I also had to accept adults as is. But... Uh, they don't come to order either. The, yes, but, but of course they work for you. The... Uh, the the, but no, I I, uh, I I think it's important if you're trying to change an environment that that environment feels that you're invested, not not necessarily in your own success, but in something greater, and uh, you know that requires that you bring again a lot of different skills to the table. The most important. Uh, the most important element is a sense that you're in it for the right reasons and, and you're authentic in the doing of the job. And I think in Baltimore, whether, whether people were supportive of many of the changes that I was uh, introducing or not, I think that people, uh, everyone pre really, uh, pre I would say everyone understood that I was, I was serious about the kids. I think we're lucky to have you as a professor of practice, someone who's really gone out, done so much, and then come back to, to share your knowledge and wisdom with so many of the students, including um, an upcoming professional education institute uh, happening in March. And I'm wondering, from your Leadership Institute for Superintendents, uh, what should they hope to take away from the seminar that will enhance their own practice? And they're going to come here, and they're going to meet you, and you're going to teach them. What are they going to take away in those two or three, four days? Well, what, what I hope for, for the participants, and the participants tend to be superintendents or board members or people who are, who are in serious leadership positions in districts, is that they that they leave with first of all with with enormous self knowledge about you know who they are as leaders, uh, who they are in relationship to a problem of practice that they bring uh, because it is so relevant to uh, where they are right now in their districts and their professions. Uh, uh, thankfully, I am not the only participant in the institute. Some of the you have a team most <laughs> extraordinary uh, minds and and uh, experiences in education are are part of that team. We have thought really, really hard about what's essential and how does it get communicated and how does it come together in the short space of four days. And uh, and we also benefit immensely from the fact that you have you have dedicated professionals who are taking time away from the daily work and are here because they want to learn. And part of what I have experienced over time is that 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 flow of energy among the superintendents in relationship to what they are learning around policy, around practice, around. Uh, research uh, is is extraordinarily valuable. What happens in terms of the group of people uh, learning uh, together? The institute's called Leadership Institute for Superintendents: Systemic Reform in School Districts. It's March first through the fourth. You can go to gsc.harvard.edu/ppe to 
take a look. Um, I just feel so renewed and heartened about the state of our education system and so glad there's people like Professor Andres Alonzo out here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.